Hello, and welcome back to Dinner at Yiffenies with your host, Take a Myronhoof. I want to start off tonight by letting everyone know that we've started our own Patreon. With tiers starting as low as $1 per month, you can show even more appreciation. Every member, no matter which tier you choose, will receive their own badge on the Dinner at Yiffenies website and a personal call out the end of each episode. Starting at the $5 tier, you will receive an exclusive Dinner at Yiffenies sticker, and at our top tier, you will even receive an exclusive t-shirt. All proceeds will be going towards paying for the podcast expenses, including paying voice actors and authors for their contributions. And if we have anything left at the end of the year, Patreon members will get to decide on which charity we donate the remaining funds to. On tonight's episode, we follow Elijah, who must seek shelter from an incoming storm while hiking in a remote location. As the storm rolls in, he enters a mysterious cabin to ride things out. After some time, a stranger joins him, and the two hunker down for the evening. With that, sit back, relax, and drift away into another world of furry fiction and erotica. Shelter in a Storm by Terminus A twig snapped beneath his hoof, and Elijah let out a small huff, not of surprise or satisfaction, but of exertion. It was the fifth hour of this hike, and the last time he had seen anybody else had been at least 45 minutes ago. When Nick had suggested this boy's weekend at the mountain cabin, Elijah had agreed quickly. The instructions had been to carry what was needed in your backpack, as the nearest parking lot was at the base of the trail, and it would be a hike to get there. Elijah thought he followed Nick's instructions to the letter, but either the bighorn ram had gotten lost, or the raccoon had given bad directions. Pausing, Elijah tried not to feel the way the straps of his pack dug into his shoulders and around his waist. He knew he should have taken it for a spin before bringing it on this hike, but with his teaching load, the chapters he owed on his thesis, his work at the library, and the hundreds of other daily tasks, he hadn't found the time. Digging into his pocket, he pulled out the sheet where he had scribbled the directions. He knew he should have texted Nick before leaving. It had been three weeks since he had seen the raccoon in person, and when Nick had invited him for this weekend, they had both been three or four beers in. At the best of times, Nick's directions were a little on the vague side. If he had gotten lost, well, Elijah was as much to blame as Nick was. It was another of the things he knew he should have done beforehand, and now there he was here. There was no use in regretting it. Even if he had texted, Elijah knew better than to expect a response from Nick. Getting Nick to respond to anything promptly was like pulling teeth from a crocodile or alligator without Novocaine. It was possible, but not without a great deal of difficulty and a mild amount of risk. According to the directions, he should have arrived half hour ago. As it stood, he was on a little-used trail over 9,000 feet above sea level and if he were lucky, he would get back to his car just around 7 in the evening. It would be another two, two and a half hours, back to his small apartment, and the day, one of the few he allowed himself, for himself, would have gone to waste. Not that the views hadn't been gorgeous, and that exercising in nature instead of the gym wasn't welcome, but he had been anticipating a day with friends, a barbecue, a chance to see Ryan without his shirt on. Elijah shook his head. The last thing he needed to be doing at the moment was to be thinking of the kangaroo, of the way his mouth quirked in a grin right after he took a hit from a water bong. 
the way the light glinted off the barbell through his left nipple. The thoroughly maddening habit he had of letting his broad palm rest casually on his thigh, thumb on the waistband of his shorts or jeans, inching them down, flashing a stripe of bare, dun-colored pelt. Elijah's ears twitched as he heard it, a rumble, low, distant, echoing above and among the trees and the mountains. Inhaling deeply, his nostrils flaring, Elijah swore to himself, thunder and rain. His senses might not have the acuity of a canine, but he had spent enough time outdoors at digs, knew the sounds, knew the smells, and based on the prevailing winds, he guessed he had maybe about an hour and a half at most before he got caught in a downpour. Not for the first time since he had begun the hike, Elijah cursed Nick in the most colorful ways he could. He began to move down the trail, his footfalls a little faster than was safe, but with a storm on the way, speed was of the essence. On a trail like this, unless he found somewhere to shelter, a late summer storm could bring all sorts of unexpected surprises. Disorientation, sudden mudslides, and flash flooding were just some of his many concerns. Moving as quick as he dared, Elijah's hoofs were certain over the trail. The sky grew darker with each passing breath, and the wind picked up, going from a gentle whisper of a breeze to a sharp, keening howl that had the bighorn ram pull the pack closer to him. He had removed his shirt after the first hour and a half of the hike, and even with the change in weather, sweat still matted his grayish-brown fur. He had gone about an hour down the trail when a drop of rain, heavy and fat, fell and hit the top of his muzzle. Swearing, Elijah almost jumped, knowing it wouldn't be long before more drops fell, and he would be drenched. The weather forecast had said rain was possible, but not likely. By now, he should have been inside the cabin, holding a beer in his hands, listening to Alex ramble through his latest sexual exploits while Bill gave one of his great, deep bovine laughs that filled the room. Out of the corner of his eye, he would have looked over at Ryan, stared at the calloused footpaws of the rue, and admired the toned calves and thick thighs. Elijah snorted as a second drop of rain joined the first, and a third followed seconds later. Sniffing the air, ozone, and fallen leaves combined with the growing, overpowering scent of following rain let him know just what sort of storm this would end up being. There would be no way he could make it back to his car in time. A flash, followed eight seconds later by the low, rolling crash of thunder sent a shiver up his spine. He hadn't feared thunderstorms since he was a child. He remembered the naked thunder run he and his brothers had done as part of their fraternity's hail week, what felt like a lifetime ago. This was different. Then there had been a place to go, somewhere to shelter after the run around the frat house. Now, he was out in the open. It had been hours since seeing anyone else. His phone was buried in his backpack, and he doubted there would be good signal here anyway. At best, his clothing would get ruined, and he had spent weeks replacing everything he had brought with him. At worst, he snorted, willing himself not to think about it. Another flash of lightning, brilliant and brighter than the one from moments earlier. Less than three seconds later, the thunder boomed, echoing among the trees. Turning his head, Elijah blinked and saw a break in the trail where he would have sworn there hadn't been one before. He saw, or thought he did, the outline of a building, 
While it wasn't the lakeside cabin Nick had promised, any sort of shelter would be welcome, especially now. He all but ran, the wind at his back and the rain falling harder, heavier, faster. Two drops became four, four became eight, eight became thirty-two, and at that point, the big horn ram stopped counting as the single drops became a sheet. He reached the side of the structure as another deafening wave of thunder rushed over and around him. Ozone was thick and heavy. He didn't want to know just how near the strike had been. The structure had seen better days. Built of planks of wood so dark and weathered, Elijah debated for a fraction of a second if it would have been better to brave the elements than to try the door that seemed to hang slightly off center. He didn't debate long, throwing the door open as another gale of wind brought the distinct crack of lightning. Elijah slammed the door behind him, undid the straps of the pack, and let it rest against the wall. It was a bare-bone sort of structure, two rooms, barely separated by a wall. The only carpet was that of fallen leaves that had been blown in. Nothing hung on the walls. There were no outlets, lights, or any signs of electricity. There was a bed pressed against the wall with surprisingly fresh sheets, neatly made that reminded Elijah of his freshman dorm room before he had pledged Alpha Kappa Epsilon. The ram exhaled, both relieved to be out of the storm and wondering just what he had walked into. Besides the bed, there was nothing to indicate anything about whoever was using this. He didn't know what to call the building. It was lived in, but Elijah could tell nothing about whoever called this place home, if it even was their home. A gale of wind rushed against the walls of the building, and Elijah would have sworn he could feel it move against his now bare back. The steady percussion of rain, the blast of thunder, and the shrieking cry of the wind bled through the thin walls. His horns dragged against the wood as he tilted his heads upwards, and the ram wondered how much more abuse a building like this would be able to handle before it came crashing down around him. Those weren't the sorts of questions he thought about normally in his field, but they would be related at least tangentially for any future archaeologist. Not that anyone would come up here for a dig. The shrieking of the wind was relentless, steady, maddening. Tree limbs scratched against the aged wood, and rain hurtled downwards, crashing against the small structure. Elijah exhaled and then opened his backpack. On the top was his shirt, and beneath it, the supplies he said he would bring for the weekend. Although damp with his sweat, his shirt was far drier than he or his shorts. Looking around and knowing he had a full change of clothing available, he used the shirt as a towel, drying himself as best he could. His shorts clung to his damp fur, as did the boxer briefs he had worn. It took a second, but he was naked in a space that wasn't his, and there was a thrill to it. He scanned the room again, and there was still only the neatly made bed which told of an occupant. Elijah stepped forwards, his nostrils wrinkling slightly. There were hints of rose, jasmine, and the distinct scent of river water. Whoever had washed these sheets had done so recently. The floral odors were the sorts of things his mother and grandmother had favored with their laundry soaps, and those scents lasted all of two days, three at the outside max. He wondered if he had stumbled into the sort of cabin his aunt had used when she was in one of her get-back-to-the-ground kicks. He certainly could see his aunt staying at a place like this, built from reclaimed materials with only minimum furnishings to be closer to reality, as she liked to phrase it. 
Still, there was a bareness here that Elijah couldn't remember from the few times he had visited her to drop off the grid. In those places, there was always some sort of kitchen and generally the signs of several bodies pressed in and against each other. Here, there was only emptiness. He placed his hand against the sheets. As he expected, they were cool, but the mattress was unexpectedly soft. His hand sunk into it. It was far more comfortable than the mattress he slept on throughout his college years, and it might even be better than what he had in his current apartment. It would be like sleeping on a cloud, he thought to himself. No one in his aunt's circles or his aunt herself would ever have allowed themselves a mattress this comfortable. They were much more comfortable sleeping on the ground in sleeping bags made of recycled fibers. This bed would have been far too indulgent. He left the bed and returned to his bag. He broke into the case of water he had brought and allowed himself a long drink. Gaining almost 4,500 feet in elevation might not be the biggest or most dangerous of shifts, but he knew from entirely too many of Bill's lectures the importance of being well hydrated. It was one of the bull's favorite topics, and it was something he had rambled on for hours with Elijah only half listening. Granted, when Elijah talked about sherds and lithic analysis, he knew his former brothers weren't really paying attention. Such were the realities when your professional lives were so divergent from each other. You always knew your former brothers were up to something, and you were excited for them. However, you weren't the same as you were when you shared a roof with them and needed to worry about the Panhellenic Council or what to make of the incoming pledge class. As Elijah finished his first bottle of water, he admitted to himself that he had been hoping this weekend would have brought back those memories of the last rush of college. After this year, he would be all but finished with his dissertation, and he was going to be spending the summer working with the park service, helping them with a dig where it would be weeks on end where he doubted he'd even have access to something as basic as reliable cell service. As he capped the empty bottle and put it back into his bag, Elijah's ears twitched. He heard, or thought he heard, something that was not of nature. Against the cries of the wind, over the rush of rain, and through the scratching of the branches, there was something that set him on edge, had all his senses focused and bent outside of the small room. Closing his eyes, he let the world of sounds wash over him and through him. There was the crack of lightning, followed shortly by the roar of thunder. There were the maddening regular waves of precipitation. There were the groans of the wind as it shifted. There was the rush of his blood and the staccato his pulse had become. Breathing slowly, Elijah brought himself back to a still place. If the image he used was of the time he had seen Ryan, fresh out of the shower, a towel clinging to his waist, pelt still moist from the shower, well, that would be his secret. Ryan never had to know. Going back into his bag, he dug out some granola bars, a fresh pair of underpants, and his phone. He slid on his underwear and unwrapped one of the bars as he waited for his phone to cycle on. As he suspected, there wasn't a bar of service to be found, and in the dull glow of the phone screen, the bareness, the emptiness... The not-quite-lived-in quality of the small structure was all too real. The bed, slightly disheveled from where he had put his hand down, was the only thing that seemed solid, seemed tangible, seemed like it was real. Elijah shook his head. 
In weather like this, after the sort of day he had had, it was too easy to let the darker flights of fancy take hold and fill his head. He wasn't a lamb anymore. To be frightened by his uncle's or cousin's stories around the fireside, ghosts weren't real. He had known that for most of his life. However, in this space, with the banshee-like wind continuing outside, with no hint of who used this space or why, or even what this space really was, it was too easy to let the stories of his childhood flood back. Elijah's thumb danced over the screen of his phone, and he searched through the albums of photos. There he was with his first class of undergrads on his first day as a TA. His students had thought him crazed, no doubt, but the smiles of many of their faces were genuine, and his grin, the flush of pride he saw on his cheeks, was the best sort of thing to fight the shadows that had been growing in his mind. He scrolled further back, seeing himself with his mother, father, and aunt on the day he had been admitted to graduate school after the year he had spent working at the local history museum. Further back, to the day of his graduation from undergraduate, one arm over Nick's shoulder, the other over Bill's. A few more shots, and he arrived at his personal favorite, the one of he and Ryan, both wearing board shorts, posing next to each other, each of them holding a surfboard with one arm the other arm linked around the other's back. As Elijah closed his eyes, it was easy to remember the way the sun had been beating down, the salt in the air, the cawing of gulls, the sounds of his brothers arguing, joking, and laughing as only college students on their last spring vacation were able to do. That had been the vacation where Ryan hadn't worn a shirt except when necessary, and he had shared a room with Elijah. And the soft cotton of his boxer briefs, Elijah began feeling the rush of blood to his prick, knew it was slipping out of his sheath. Palming himself through the thin fabric, Elijah exhaled, remembering the morning when he was woken up before Ryan. The kangaroo had rolled over in his sleep, and his tail had been forced down the sheets. And the light coming through the small beach house, Elijah had seen clearly the small of Ryan's back, the powerful tail and well-toned ass of his brother, his crush the one that had talked him into joining the frat in the first place. Nick claimed he was the one that had convinced Elijah to join, but without Ryan's easy smile and joked suggestion of think of all the things we'll get to do together as brothers, without that, Elijah knew he wouldn't have been an Alpha Kappa Epsilon. As his thumb began playing with the band of his underwear, pulling it down just a few fractions of an inch, there came the sound again. Something that was too deliberate, too regular, too much of the ordinary and every day that didn't fit with the intensity, the raw chaos of the storm. The ram paused, the hairs on the back of his neck on end as the chill ran down from the tips of his horns, down his spine and reached his tail. His phone dropped, and the echo hung in the air of the small space. The ram who had been resting against the door, trying to use his weight, and the weight of the pack to keep the door closed shifted slightly. Deliberately, he turned his head, and he exhaled slowly. The rain continued its maddening percussion against the walls and the roof. The wind was relentless as it howled, and the ram knew there was something on the other side of the door. Elijah remained where he was, as still as he could make himself. What waited on the other side of the door, he didn't know, but he knew there had to be something there. It was knowledge as deep as bone and blood, something he couldn't shake or deny. 
It was a certainty. More than that, whatever waited in the storm, whatever was on the other side of the flimsy pieces of wood against which he had been resting knew he was inside. It might not know who he was or what he wanted, much like he didn't know anything about whatever it might be, but it knew he was inside. The door swung inward, and Elijah had the presence of mind to pull back slightly. If this was the owner of the small structure, the last thing he needed to do was make them any angrier than they were likely to be. An almost deafening crack of lightning followed instantaneously by a concussive roll of thunder coincided with the door swinging open. It took Elijah a moment to blink away the spots dancing in his eyes from the sudden brilliance. The figure literally filled the doorway and Elijah swallowed as he realized it had to bend its head to get through the entryway. His head, rather, Elijah thought to himself. There was something unmistakably male about him. It wasn't that Elijah hadn't met tall or muscular women. This figure, this being, radiated raw, masculine strength and surety in a way he couldn't articulate. Everything about him screamed, man. He bent his neck further, his long muzzle looking down. His voice was the sort of deep that matched a frame like his. Well, it's nice to see someone has made themselves comfortable in here. There wasn't any anger in the voice. Rather, it was measured, sure of itself, and slightly amused. As he took another step inside, Elijah noticed the rain-soaked shirt as it clung to a well-toned chest a stomach off which one could do their washing, and a pelt that would have put any pearl to shame. Blinking, Elijah saw the spots of gray along the exposed forearms, the neck, and the strands of iron in the mane and hair. Stallion, the ram thought to himself, a draft, but which member of the draft family he wasn't certain. Cat got your tongue? The stallion asked, arcing a single brow as he did so. The blood that had been rushing to the ram's groin switched directions and came to his face, darkening his cheeks, highlighting the black around his muzzle and nostrils. I'm so sorry, Elijah spluttered out. I just, I mean, well... No matter how he tried, Elijah was unable to find a way to explain himself. The stallion laughed then, and it filled the space between them. Moments ago, when there had been the roll and rush of thunder... The structure had been shaken from the outside. With the way the stallion's laughter echoed, hung and clung to the wood, the shack shook from within. Take your time, the stallion teased. I want to know just how a handsome ram ended up here in only his underwear. Elijah knew his blush was darkening, spreading. The stallion's intense, dark gaze was unflinching, unwavering, direct and powerful. Gnawing gently on his bottom lip, Elijah realized the gray dappling of the stallion's coat was more intense than he first thought. Instead of white with spots of gray, the horse before him was gray with specks of white and water running from his mane onto the floor. He didn't seem bothered by it. How long had this horse lived up here not to be bothered by the rain? Curiosity, as ever, helped Elijah overcome his tied tongue. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, he repeated. This time, slower, more controlled, his breathing even. 
He had adverted his eyes to one of the bare walls, not looking at the stallion. It was easier for him not to stare at the raw and primally masculine figure so close to him. With his eyes so turned, he missed the way the horse's lips twitched in a small smirk. Elijah continued, explaining about the weekend in the mountains, about Nick's shitty directions, about his decision to turn around on the trail and head back when he had felt the storm, about getting caught and seeing the small trail to the structure they now were, and finally, about his decision to strip down to next to nothing. All the while, Elijah's ears twitched, and he was aware of water dripping from the stallion, of his regular breathing, and the cacophony of the storm outside of the thin walls. The stallion exhaled when Elijah finished, and the ram turned his gaze back to him. <sighs> well, I don't think you'll be the first or the last to get caught in one of these late summer storms, the stallion said. Tell me your name. My, my name? Yes, your name, unless you want me to keep calling you Underpants Ram in my head, the stallion asked. Elijah didn't need to be looking at him to know there was a smile on his lips. The blush, which had died down as he had been explaining himself, came back suddenly, and if possible, more intensely than when the stallion had first entered. Uh, Elijah. My, my name is Elijah. He introduced himself, his head tilting down and his eyes darting towards the floor. Pleasure to meet you, Elijah. I'm Claude. The stallion, Claude, introduced himself, and there was the sound of movement. With his cheeks, muzzle, and nose still dark, Elijah turned his head to see the stallion bending over from the waist with one massive palm extended. The ram felt himself go even darker as he took the horse's hand, felt the calluses on the palm that spoke of years of manual labor, of a life led in the wilds. Elijah's own such calluses had faded, too much time with books and paper, and not nearly enough time in the field. The subtle calluses of regular sessions in the gym were nothing compared to the rough, sure, and overwhelming grasp of Claude's hand. So, is this, I mean, Elijah began. Claude let out another one of those deep, room-filling laughs, and he tossed his head back. His muzzle almost brushed the ceiling in such a posture. The room, which had seemed a decent size when Elijah had first come into it, now seemed almost cramped with the easy way the draft horse filled it with both his body and his voice. Relax, Elijah. You don't need to be so on edge. Claude reassured, placing one of his powerful palms directly onto the ram's bare shoulder. In his chest, Elijah's heart raced. The stallion was confident, easy, and sure of himself in a way few others were. Granted, Elijah had known stallions before. His best friend growing up had been an Arab cult, fond of running and passionate about anything that caught his fancy. Claude, though, was something else. Something more than that. Perhaps it was that Elijah hadn't been in such a confined space with a stallion in a long time. Is this cabin yours, then? Elijah asked. Nice of you to call this shanty a cabin. No, it's not mine. I work with the park service out here, and structures like these are scattered throughout the park in case days like today happen. They're little more than emergency shelters. You could spend more than a night here, but you really wouldn't want to. 
Claude explained as he walked to the back left corner of the cabin, kneeling down as he did so. Elijah watched as the stallion's hands moved over the floor, his fingertips seeking what the ram didn't know. Claude let out a small snort and despite himself, Elijah moved closer. With water still dripping from his mane, the stallion pulled at the floor. A section of the floor pulled away and the horse bent over, digging through the small hole. The floorboard which had been removed rested against the wall and Elijah wondered to himself how he could have missed it. His eyes flicked back to Claude as the horse removed a small propane tank, a hose, what looked like a hot plate, and a bag. The stallion turned his gaze back towards the ram and offered another easy smile. You went too far, you know, Claude offered. Too far from where? Elijah watched as Claude turned back and continued digging in the small hole, giving off the occasional snort as his hands ran over something. The cabin your friend Nick mentioned. On the trail back down, you passed the turn that would have taken you there, Claude explained. You give him too little credit. While his directions were off, they weren't as bad as you led me to believe with the way you described him. You've got to be kidding me. Scout's honor. I'm not lying. Were you ever a scout? Elijah asked, raising a single brow, crossing his arms over his chest as he did so. Claude turned back to the ram, and there was an honest grin across his broad muzzle. Earned my final merit badge and completed my service project in my junior year of high school, he offered. I still have the photo on my phone. The battery's dead. It would be, Elijah said, shaking his head slightly, unable to prevent a smile of his own. The stallion stood then, and his hands moved to his left thigh. Elijah's breath caught in his throat as Claude dug around, shifting, water continuing to drip from his mane and tail. As Elijah's eyes had become reaccustomed to the dark, he was able to take in the various shades of gray and white on Claude's pelt. There was smoke, thunderclouds, slate, iron, and dove contrasting against paper, ivory, eggshell, and that first seen and most striking pearl. He had managed to pull himself back to the moment as Claude let out a knicker, and he moved a plastic bag from his pocket. Elijah caught it easily when the stallion threw it. Inside the bag was a phone, similar enough to Elijah's that he had found the power button in less than two seconds. Holding it down, nothing happened, and the ram chuckled. He looked up at the stallion, tilting his head to meet Claude's gaze. The same easy, friendly grin was still plastered across his muzzle, and Elijah felt another blush move up his neck. You look rather handsome when you blush, Claude offered. This caused Elijah to admit an undignified, if only in his own mind, snort, and to blush deeper. How long had it been since anyone had called him handsome? The most he had got on Howler, or the equivalent, was geek cute or nerd hot. Granted, in all the photos he had of himself, he didn't have one where he was wearing as little as he was now. He had seen too many of his friends throughout high school and college regret sending those sorts of photos freely. Those sorts of things always seem to come back later and bite you in the ass. Uh, thanks, the ram finally muttered. Been a while since someone gave you a compliment like that, I'm guessing. Claude asked. What, what are you, a, a psychic? No, I already told you. 
I work with the Park Service, Claude said with that same easy smile in his voice. Doing what exactly? Mostly trail maintenance, some mapping projects, and occasionally offering next to naked rams a place to stay for the night. The last part of the statement made Elijah swing his head up quickly. The smile had been replaced by a smirk. An honest-to-goodness, no-holds-barred smirk. Elijah laughed. It wasn't Bill's or Claude's laugh, but a laugh nonetheless. I walked right into that one, didn't I? Elijah asked. You did. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to put this little thing to use. Claude said, shifting his muzzle towards the tanks of propane and miniature burner. I'm uh, not much of a cook, but I think we could both use something hot in our systems. Wouldn't you agree? Elijah nodded, and Claude turned, taking his time to make sure the tubing was properly affixed before he turned the tap on the propane tank and clicked the burner to life. The blue flames cast long shadows around the small structure, and they danced and shifted as Claude went about his task. Elijah watched as the horse moved about. With the new light source, it was easy to see the slight shivering of Claude's hand. His mane, and the way his tail twitched, sending droplets of water about. Do you really want to keep your shirt on? Elijah asked. The horse looked up as he placed a cast iron pan on the metal ring above the small cook fire. Both ears were swiveling quickly, and his head was lifted. Elijah knew he was blushing again, and he took a deep breath, counted to three, released it before he again addressed Claude. What I mean to say is, I know being in wet clothing is the worst, and you don't want to catch your death of cold. I don't think anyone has ever got a cold, much less their death of one from staying in wet clothing. Claude argued back, almost teasing. You didn't say anything about your comfort. After all, you've already seen me in my underwear. I promise I won't laugh if you're wearing boxers with tiny hearts or a, or have a tattoo in an ill-advised place, Elijah said. Silence hung in between the two of them for a long moment, and then Claude nodded. His ears now turned slightly to the side, clearly more at peace, more relaxed than he had been. After opening a silver foil packet and putting the contents into the pan, the stallion stood. His hands made quick work of buttons Elijah had only noticed in the light of the flame. Inch after inch of dappled pelt and strong, powerful muscle came into view. Elijah was no stranger to seeing well-toned and sculpted bodies. He was a runner, and among his brothers there had been swimmers, wrestlers, lacrosse and soccer players, and of course the general weightlifting enthusiast. Still practiced as much as he could as Elijah remembered. He had gotten used to seeing the kangaroo in his singlet, clinging in all the right places to send sparks flooding directly to the darkest corners of his erotic imagination. Claude's body was something else entirely. It should have been illegal for the stallion to wear a shirt. The deltoids, traps, and pecs all looked like something the most dedicated of the weightlifting crowd would have sold their souls, or at least their left testicles, to achieve. Claude had an honest-to-heaven eight-pack. Even Ryan, at fighting fit, had only managed to get six. Elijah dry-swallowed as Claude finished removing his shirt and then put it to the side. 
The stallion continued, his fingers moving next to the button of his pants. Elijah's breath hissed on an intake, and the ram was so far past caring if the horse heard him. Claude's movements were deliberate, not titillating or teasing. There was purpose to them that any stripper lacked. Not that Elijah was familiar with the world of strippers, but he had been dragged out as the designated driver more than once during his freshman year, and when he had finally come out to his brothers, they had gotten him a fake ID, taking him to one bar about 40 miles off campus at the edge of the city that had male strippers, and ensured him he had gotten at least three lap dances. Claude peeled off his pants with none of the flair or finesse Elijah had seen from the strippers, however. Elijah knew he would never be able to forget the sight. Claude stood before him, thick thighs, an ass you could bounce a quarter off of, and low hanging balls. The stallion hadn't been wearing any underwear. Despite the rain, despite the wind, the stallion's testicles hung heavy and low. Elijah couldn't take his gaze off of them. A small nickering made Elijah turn up. Claude was looking down at him, the smile from earlier back on his muzzle, but there was something new to it. Something not quite as open as there had been when Claude had been clothed. You? The stallion began, his dark eyes narrowing just a bit. Are now overdressed. Elijah knew he was blushing. His heart was thundering, and he sputtered, not sure what to say. Then it came, matching the thunder from outside. One of Claude's low, deep laughs, and Elijah looked up to see the horse's head tilted back and laughter traveling through every inch of that powerful frame. Elijah offered a chuckle of his own. Despite the storm, which had been quieted slightly outside, despite getting lost on a hiking trail, perhaps due to Nick's directions, perhaps because he hadn't been paying close attention, and despite not being around Ryan, the ram was having a good time. Claude looked down at him, and the genuine smile was back. Elijah calmly extended his middle finger to the horse, who responded with a snort and another room-filling, wall-shaking laugh. It was the sort of story he wouldn't have believed, unless he had lived through it. Elijah thought to himself as Claude went back to the small propane burner, tending to it, and the meal that was cooking there carefully. Saying the food was any good would have been an outright lie, and Elijah had never been a good liar. Even with the poor quality of the food, the conversation flowed easily. Claude shared stories of other storms and some of the things he had seen on the trails during his time with the park service. Claude told him about the time he had stumbled across a group having an orgy, and Elijah almost choked on his food. Claude was behind him instantly, powerful arms around his midsection, ready to administer the Heimlich maneuver. Feeling the stallion's heat, arms pressed directly against his chest, and the soft breath teasing the back of his neck only made the situation worse for Elijah, especially as the speckled stallion chose to angle his head so that his muzzle ran against Elijah's left side, the side that had always been more sensitive. And with that, we come to the end of the first half of Shelter in a Storm. Please join us next week when we discover exactly how Elijah and Claude handle their current situation and make it through the night. I'd like to thank Modest Jack for joining me this evening as the voice of Claude. 
He's been influential in the creation of the podcast, as well as my foray into voice acting. Modest, would you like to say a few words? Hey everyone, this is Modest the Jack. If you'd like me to voice your character next, find me on Telegram for affinity or just email modestthejack at gmail.com. Hope you enjoyed tonight's performance. Thanks for listening. Thank you again, Modest. I also want to give a shout out to the members of our Patreon. In the top tier, we have Dimbles, a mysterious raccoon benefactor. Being in the top tier, you have no idea how big that is for me and the podcast. So a huge shout out to you. For the other tiers, Dream Merchant, Agador, and Glared, you guys are amazing as well. Each of you have been and continue to be instrumental to our success. And finally, everyone who has listened to any of our episodes, thank you. Each and every time someone listens to our work, it really does mean the most to myself, the authors of these stories, and the voice actors that bring the characters to life. We hope to continue doing this for as long as we are willing to and people are willing to listen. Good night, and come again.